Our scripture reading today comes from the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Hear now the word of God. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Take hold of yourself and the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do you know how to get better at cooking? I mean, this could be a non-rhetorical question. I need to get better at cooking. But initially, it isn't actually learning about cooking. It's not that you need to study the taste buds and the nose or researching the varieties of bell peppers and their usage in Southern Thai cuisine. Initially, to get better at cooking, you need to cook. And the best way to get better is to cook alongside someone who can explain everything that's happening, who can show you how to hold a knife, show you how to tell if the steak is done, who can walk you through how to taste and identify what's missing, what to add, someone who can introduce you to the habits and practices that allow you to cook well. I comfort myself by saying this is why Micah can bake so much better than I can. It's because she learned to bake alongside her mother, and I learned to bake alongside nobody. I'm not sure that's the entire reason, though. (laughs) When I was confirmed, the year was 2001, and I was in the eighth grade. And for six months, we had to attend classes on Sunday mornings. And we had to do readings and to study. And our homework was about proving our understanding of what we had studied, to give the correct answers. And I was taught how to be a Christian, like what was necessary was passing a test on the history of the Reformed tradition, or Jesus and related first century literatures. Because if you had the right information and the right answers, you could figure out how to live correctly. The reason confirmation looked like that is probably because seminary does the same thing. In seminary, we had classes on systematic theology and the Old and New Testament, and we learned about ancient Near Eastern feudal covenants and traditions of interpreting Jesus as a parable in the Gospel of Mark. Amongst the things we were never taught, how to run a session meeting, or how to manage a church budget, which is why we're not sure if we've been doing it right, but in the Old Testament they always just burn the offerings. So for the past three years we've just taken whatever's in the offering plates and we light it on fire. (laughs) They gave us the information and assumed with the information we would figure it out. But it turns out that taking information and applying it, synthesizing it and figuring out how to live it, that's actually the most difficult part of learning. If you're a teacher, you know it's considered the highest level of learning. Mastery of information is when you can relate it to other information and apply it. Which means my confirmation class, and my seminary education, they gave me the information, they gave me the books, but they left the hardest part, the application, the integration into my daily life, they left that part 
to me to figure out what Jesus as a parable in the book of Mark means for how I live today. And sometimes in the church we do that too. We give you the information on why prayer is important and then leave you to figure out how to pray. We describe who Jesus was and what he did and then leave it to you to figure out how you're supposed to live like a Jewish peasant that lived 2,000 years ago today. And that's hard. It's not that the information doesn't matter. The information matters. The teachings matter. We need to know the stories. We need to know the truths to study the scriptures. But we can't just know it. We need to live it. And often we assume the reason we aren't applying it, the reason we aren't living it better, is because we don't believe it enough. Have you done that? We don't have enough faith. Our lives, they don't always look that much like Jesus. They don't feel that full of joy. The prayers don't feel like they're working, and we assume it's our fault. We haven't studied enough information. We must not believe it enough. And then the guilt and discouragement. But what if that's not it at all? It's not that the faith doesn't matter. But faith isn't the answer to every Christian problem. Faith is what begins the Christian life. It's the key that starts the car. It's the doorknob that lets us inside. It's the match that lights the fire. But it's not the answer to everything. Belief And information, they're not the answer to everything. Our daughter often ends up in one of our offices at the church. She comes up early with us on Sunday morning so we can set up the service and run through everything that will happen. And she eats her dinner and watches a show during a session meeting. And she colors or watches uh, My Little Ponies. Or sometimes we put her to work. Some tasks like folding bulletins or making copies, which she likes to do. So don't look at me like this is child labor. She volunteers to help. And that's how one Sunday morning, Micah and I found ourselves running through the service with Sophia watching My Little Ponies with her headphones in while assembling and stapling packets for us. Micah and I are talking and practicing and editing while Sophia compiles the packet slowly and she straightens the papers, all kind of watching her show, gets it all together, and then, whack, staples it. Assembles it. Whack! Midway through this project, she whacks one of the packets, and I notice from the corner of my eye, she pulls it out and realizes it isn't stapled. And so still watching, she puts it back in, and she whacks it again. And it's still not stapled. So still watching, now in earnest, whack, 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 whack. (laughs) And it's still not stapled. But she's determined, so still watching, whack, whack, harder, whack, until Micah taps her on the shoulder and shows her that beside the stapler she had been using is this, which looks a lot like a stapler. From the corner of your eye, you probably couldn't tell the difference, but there is an important one, because this is a clip-on reading light. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it didn't used to be quite so floppy. (laughs) But the thing is, you can hit this 
as many times as you'd like. As hard as you'd like. And it turns out, it will never staple anything. You can believe it's a stapler. You can call it a stapler. You can treat it like a stapler. That's just not what it does. It will never staple anything. That's not what it does. That's not how it works. And when we take our lives as Christians and we try to fix everything we have by saying, I just need to believe harder. Sometimes it just doesn't work. Or I just need to learn a few more things and then sometimes that's just not how it works. We can try believing harder and learning more and we can pile on guilt or shame. What if the solution is just simpler? What if it's more finding the right tool? What if it's more like learning how to cook? What if we don't need to study the usage of bell peppers in southern Thai cuisine or pass a test on Jesus and other related literatures? What if we just need more application? Help with how to live this in our daily lives. To practice. What if we just need help to practice? This one time Jesus tells people you can't put new wine into old wineskins. The skins will burst and you'll lose the wine. And that's the gospel. God is pouring out salvation without cost. It's received by faith alone. It's free. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. God is pouring it out. But we can't just pour it in our old ways of life because our old ways of life aren't made to hold it. It doesn't matter if God is pouring it out for free if our lives can't Hold it. We need a new way to live. In this letter, Paul says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Take hold of yourself and of the teachings. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Practice. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them and you will save yourself and your hearers. That's the simple idea behind opt-in. For ten months we've met on Sunday mornings to take the information and the beliefs, all the rich things we've learned over the years, and to put it into practice. To practice the skills. To experiment in reshaping our schedules in our lives so they better hold the salvation that God is pouring out. We practice failing and getting uncomfortable so we'll be better able to follow God even when we don't understand. To fail and then follow Him and then fail again, but better. We practice telling our stories. And we take the facts of our past, the things we can't change, and we practice being detectives, looking for God's presence, naming the ways God has been active, because it's not that just God stops showing up. That God is hard to see. It takes practice. And we take those stories. Those times where the darkness is so deep that it feels like God is just gone. And we tell those stories too. Because the Bible teaches us to tell stories that defy the dark. 
Stories that refuse to let death have the last word. Stories that might pass through a tomb, but they end, they end in resurrection and newness of life. Over ten months, we wrote rules to help us live healthier and more colorful and more intentional lives, building habits and routines that emerge from our faith. Instead of our faith always having to fight our schedule and habits to make room for God, and we practice praying together looking for forms of prayer and places to pray and people to pray with where it feels less like talking to the air. Because in that moment, when you do that, if you find that thing, it's like God is leaning in. Like God is whispering back. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Take hold of your life and the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This program, opt-in, isn't about trying to believe harder or finding more faith. It's not that there's information missing elsewhere that opt-in has. It's about setting aside a time, ten months, to focus on taking the things we believe, the things we've learned, and reshaping our lives and our habits, our schedules and our relationships so that they can hold the salvation that God is pouring out. Because we don't want to pass a test about Jesus. We want to know Jesus. And we don't want to be able to define salvation. We want to experience salvation. We don't want to talk about the promises that will come. We want to see them in our lives and in our families and in our churches and in our schools and we want to see them now. We want to see them now. And Paul says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Take hold of your life and the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Today we're graduating our first opt-in class. Kathy Berry and Judy and Larry Stiles and Corey and Regan and Wiley and Sadie Webb and Cameron and Kelly, Madison, Claire and Audrey Holland, Gordon, Amanda, Ben and Maddie Gossett, Dus and Rebecca Rogers. And they've set aside 10 months to helping us develop this program into practicing to take hold of their schedules and their finances and their families and work to reshape them, to turn them into new wineskins that can better hold the salvation that God is pouring out. It's not a work that's done. It's never done. For you, for me, it's never done. But our hope is that after opt-in, they can feel God more in their lives. That they can carry more salvation. We're proud of the work they've done because we've asked a lot. And we're hopeful. Hopeful that as they carry more salvation, the people around them will feel more salvation and hopeful about people continuing to opt in. Finding new ways to experience God in our lives. Working together to reshape how we live, our schedules and our routines and our relationships so that we can feel more God. Hopeful because this church continues figuring out ways to practice faith. Finding ways to let God in and make a difference.
So we hope you'll practice with us. In opt-in and outside, that you'll practice with us. Becoming new wineskins in which the salvation of God is something we can taste. It's something we can taste. Would you pray with me? Lord God, so often this walk with you is ambiguous, it is vague, it is confusing. We know how important it is. We believe how important it is. Sometimes as hard as we work, it can be hard to make progress. This morning we remember that at the heart of it is practice. Learning the skills and the routines, reshaping our lives to hold your salvation. Would you give us eyes to see and hearts to follow in all that we do, that we might be your light in the dark. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.